Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley. We have a special treat for you tonight. We'll be previewing the FAU Owls, and we have the voice of FAU, both basketball and football. Ken Lavica is going to go through the rosters, tell us who we need to be watching out for, who's hurt, who's not, and what he expects to happen in this game come Saturday. Seems like this is going to be a team that physically is a little beat up on the offensive side and on the defensive side is extremely fast. So this should be an interesting matchup. Hopefully the Illini will be able to come through, pick up their second victory, and get prepared to start the Big Ten schedule. But we'll be right back, and we'll be back with Ken Levicka after this commercial break. Are you looking to grow your business? Do that with the Illini Guys Radio Network by broadcasting on the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular. We have over 20 stations, including stations in Chicago, St. Louis, Champaign, Decatur, Springfield, Bloomington, the Quad Cities, Rockford, Peoria, Marion, Quincy, and Jacksonville, amongst others. You can reach over 11 million people in the state of Illinois by partnering with us. Send me an email, mike at IlliniGuys.com. And let's find a way that we can build your business together. Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini guy Mike Kegley. And I have a real treat for you tonight. We have Ken Levicka, who is the voice of FAU, not just in football, but in basketball. And he has a 12 noon to 2 p.m. show daily, Monday through Friday, on ESPN West Palm. So we're getting a, a, a guy who can tell us everything about what's going on with the football team down there. But here's the here's the gist. He's an he's he was an Addison native, and both parents are University of Illinois alums. So uh, Ken. How many years will we see you taking over for Brian Barnhart up here at, in uh, Illinois? I will uh, I tell you what, Brian Barnhart is uh, is someone that I've looked up to for a long time, going back to, to junior high and high school. And obviously I was listening to Illinois games. I mean, speaking of legends before that, but uh, Brian Barnhart is, uh, I'm looking forward to see him and seeing him again. Uh, was able to meet him finally when Illinois uh, hosted FAU in basketball uh, three, four years ago when Io DeSumo's, uh first season uh and uh i i i'm looking forward to it hey if 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 brian ever wanted to pass the baton i'd obviously uh i'd obviously listen but i love being down here at fau but it's always great to be back in champagne a place where i spent an awful long time and if there was no uh no university of illinois there'd be no me so i'm uh, i'm very grateful for uh for you by that's perfect that's perfect the biggest the most wholehearted um you know confidence booster for the university of illinois we wouldn't the voice of fau would not exist without <laughs> university that, of illinois that's an endorsement right there that's right <laughs> write it down and pass it to the donors there we are so uh th this is obviously going to be a um i think their defense for fau the owls is 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 a very good one i thought they did uh considering the amount of turnovers that were dealt with i feel like both these teams are coming off a similar game the Illinois game under previous regimes probably would have been like a 56 to seven game. If you turned over the ball five times to a team like Penn state yet, it was close until really midway through the third quarter toward the end of third quarter. And I think that defense of Illinois kept him in the game. Is that kind of what happened against Clemson with the turnovers that were there? Yeah, uh, that's very, very similar. And this was a 34 nothing game at halftime, and FAU was not able to generate anything offensively on the third play of the game, a pick six, and it was all downhill from there. But the defense <laughs> was formidable, and I know the scoreboard doesn't suggest it, but FAU's defense has been so far through three games far and away the most superior side of the ball, and that was not the expectation coming into the season. I mean, you go up uh, – uh, against Ohio and you have one of the best quarterbacks in the country uh, it, it, running that Ohio offense an Ohio team that just beat Iowa State and Florida Atlantic should have won that game had a pick six in that game had two interceptions of Rourke in that game and then against Clemson
Clemson. It was 14-14 in the second half, and I know that sounds very group of five, moral victory nonsense, but it's significant considering Dabo Swinney using that as a tune-up for Florida State this coming week, kept his starters in the game well, well, well into the fourth quarter, and FAU's defense was able to hang. So uh, the likes of Eddie Williams at linebacker, Evan Anderson at 330, down 35 pounds from where he came into FAU, and he's still 330 along that defensive front uh, and, and a very solid secondary. It's it's definitely been uh, a surprise for Florida Atlantic, a pleasant surprise. Not that they were going to be terrible, but it's definitely been the, the better side of the ball. The offense, though, and now with injuries really setting in, and we'll get into that because that's going to loom large Saturday uh, there in Champaign. The offense has scuffled in a, a massive way, and finding consistency has been very, very difficult. Yeah, the Illini have been in a similar situation Typically, Brett Bielma teams are the calling card is we run up the middle, and then if we need to, we'll run up the middle 53 more times. <laughs> and unfortunately, Illinois has been down at the half in each of their first three games, which has precluded getting Reggie Love and Josh McCray the ball as much as what uh, a Brett Bielma coach team would prefer. They're hoping to get back on track, but as I look at the FAU defense – I think both teams are going to have a hard time getting on track because the defenses seem to be playing a very high level of ball right now. Yeah, I do think that churning yards is is going to be the operative term for this one on Saturday. And another random uh, connection that I have uh, with the Illinois program is with Brett Bielema. My first job out of college was covering the University of Wisconsin football program for a radio station up in Madison. And I covered Brett Bielema for uh, for some time up there. And that was actually the year that, uh, that Illinois upset Wisconsin early in the year. Uh, Luke Swan suffered a season-ending injury in that game. And uh, uh, so, so I'm aware of Brett Bielema, his style what he wants to do, especially with the run, pound you, pound you, pound you. There are similarities between these teams, and I, I do think that Illinois has has much better size, but I think game plan-wise, especially with Casey Thompson, FAU's quarterback being ruled out for the year uh, with a torn ACL, now the running game becomes extremely important for FAU because the pass game, it's going to take some time, some adjustment time, and FAU is going to need to probably retool some things before the uh the american opener two weeks from now against tulsa yeah um casey thompson you know two games in was was at a nice 125.6 rating you know for quarterback um had over uh 500 yards passing so that's one shader sanders game but but for the rest of the country not too bad um you know when he goes down what kind of leader was he for that offense it was still a work in progress, but he was a steady hand. And I know that you guys at Illinois are certainly familiar with Casey Thompson playing in Nebraska like he did. And he's someone that you go into Clemson and you feel like, this guy's played plenty of games at Texas. He's played plenty of games in Nebraska. He's going to be the one guy uh, that is definitely not overwhelmed by the atmosphere. And he threw that pick six. And then the offense was starting to move a little bit. He suffered the injury. And now, unfortunately, we're not going to see Casey Thompson the rest of the year. Now, behind him who you're going to be seeing on Saturdays, the starter is Daniel Richardson, who's a central Michigan transfer, lots and lots of experience, a two year starter. Uh, in fact, threw for 2,600 yards uh, two years ago at central Michigan, his production dropped off a bit last year, but he's a South Florida native jumped at the opportunity to come play back uh, in front of family and friends in South Florida and play for Tom Herman. Uh, certainly doesn't have the arm strength that Casey, Thompson does. He is just about as mobile as Casey Thompson, but he does have an ability to hit intermediate throws. He'll stay in the pocket and he'll be able to throw into pressure. But 
he also is someone that that has a quarter and a half of of reps with this FAU offense uh, coming into Saturday. So you just don't know what type of player you're going to get as he tries to acclimate himself to this group. But Casey Thompson certainly provided uh, leadership with what he was able to do. But keep in mind, Mike, Casey came in to Florida Atlantic before fall camp. He was with Nebraska into spring ball and then answer the, uh, enter the transfer portal. He had that December shoulder surgery. And so he was seeing his first action um, since spending an entire offseason of rehab in the fall. He won the job about two weeks in. But in terms of relationships and the intrapersonal locker room connections, Daniel Richardson is probably a significantly superior or has a significant significantly superior advantage from that standpoint than Casey Thompson did. Uh, so yes, he lost the quarterback job, but as far as connectivity with the guys on the field, I think that the Daniel Richardson has, has the advantage there. If you're talking FAU's quarterback room. Well, it's kind of scary when you think about your, your backup comes up with, you know, if you want to include the, the Clemson game, you know, he's going to come into the Illinois game with 39, uh, career touchdowns and only 12 interceptions at right. least in the last two seasons and it goes up to what 43 and 14 if you take his total career I mean 43 to 14 touchdown ratio uh, through the air uh, to, to your interceptions is pretty impressive is there any chance Tom Herman kind of is I'm not saying you're ever happy to have your starter down but there's a chance he's not as nervous as a lot of teams would be We'll put it this way. There are worse quarterback situations in college football than the one that FAU has. I mean, keep in mind, Daniel Richardson was through spring ball, the number one quarterback and behind him is a former Penn state quarterback and Michael Johnson jr. So uh, there is a lot of, of power five experience. Uh, and, and really <laughs> if you're, you're talking all three big 10 experience uh, in this FAU quarterback room, uh, Daniel Richardson is, someone that I do think as well you're going to have to see throw against this Illini defense because FAU's running backs and I talked about the injuries I, I sort of poked at that FAU starter Larry McCammon missed the Clemson game the, the leading returner order rushing wise don't know yet his availability in Champaign uh, then behind him Kobe Lewis Purdue product Purdue transfer he ended up suffering a high ankle sprain against Clemson and he was the number one running back going into that game to replace McCammon. And then there's Barry Mobley who separated his shoulder in the game against Clemson. So I honestly, Mike, can't even begin to prognosticate who the starting running back is going to be for Florida Atlantic against Illinois. They are really hit hard in, in that position room. And so it might have to be Daniel Richardson going back to the, uh, the Mac central Michigan days and winging it around a little bit. And is it, I, deal no can he do it sure but it's a little bit caliber different caliber defense there with Brett Bielema's squad than what he was encountering up there in Mount Pleasant yeah no totally understand that but that that is just crazy to be you know you these these poor kids and, and the staff you spend your whole year gearing up for this and then you get just drilled by by injuries in two positions that are that are critical to the team's success yeah it's tough and it's it's part and parcel with FAU situation. I mean, obviously we're talking group of five and yes, we're talking the American, arguably the, the best group of five conference FAU elevating from conference USA this season, but these money games, it's just a reality for FAU to go and play them. And after this week, FAU fans have been upset and griping enough of the money games. Uh, let's, let's play group of five teams in the non-conference, but Here's the problem with that, and I don't mean to be taking jabs at the FAU fan base. You can avoid those money games when you sell out your allotment of season <laughs> tickets year after year after year after year, and that's just not the case at Florida Atlantic. And so going back to when Howard Schnellenberger started the program through Lane Kiffin and Willie Taggart and now Tom Herman, you've got to play these money games. I mean, FAU in my my uh, 17 years of calling Florida Atlantic football games, gone to Alabama, gone to Georgia, gone to Auburn, gone to Michigan State, uh, and, and, and done the Clemsons and done the Kansas States and the Texases. It's 
it's just the reality. And some years you come out of it better than others. And unfortunately for FAU with a new head coach, this has been one of the years where there were injuries suffered, even playing a group of five team like Ohio in week two. It just got compounded in a massive way, unfortunately, against Clemson on Saturday. So you've been doing this for 17 years, which means I am going to go after Brian Barnhart the next time I see him and say somebody who's a 17-year veteran listened to you in junior high. You're old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I plan this week when uh, when I talk to him because uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through charts and depth charts and all that stuff. I'm gonna make sure that I tell him straight up. I mean, Brian, you are aging a little bit, my friend. You, uh, it, but but he's uh, he's 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 the best, the absolute best. But yes, uh, I I keep telling myself, man, I've been doing the 17 years. I'm getting up there in age. But yes, Brian, Brian, significantly older than me yes there we have it and he's he's right there married to somebody in my high school class so i can't really say too much um uh, th th now if he's gonna t if he's gonna you know go through that with you make him take you to papa dell's because if you're going to be in champagne you might mm -hmm. as well go get the best pizza yeah, it's already on the already on the list of things to do once uh, once we get up to uh, to champagne. Perfect, perfect. So it, it, now you talked about slinging the ball all over the field. What what how how is the wide receiver position, both from a talent standpoint and from a health standpoint, for the Owls? So in a non-shocking turn of events injury issues with that position as well for <laughs> FAU. Now there is talent within this receiving group, but there's not a ton of experience within this receiving group. Uh, and not in the traditional sense, guys who have, have spent plenty of time in college football, but if you're talking reps and talking meaningful big game experience, not quite. Jaquan Burton, Southern Illinois transfer, who's FAU's best deep threat. He took a vicious shot uh, and uh, ended up uh, being knocked out in the first play from scrimmage against Ohio, lost teeth. It was a real ugly, ugly Ooh. situation. And uh, so he's obviously still recovering. He still thinks he's coming back to play against Tulsa next week after all of that. And so get out of concussion protocol, get veneers put in and then get back on the field. But He's just not going to be available for uh, for for this Illinois game. Uh, and he did eventually walk off the field after spending four wow. minutes uh, unconscious, which is wild to me. Uh, so missing him now. All that said, FAU's top receiver is still healthy and still contributing in a massive way, and that's LeJonte Wester. He ended up setting Florida Atlantic's all-time receptions mark against Clemson, uh, set that career mark. He is a possession receiver, a slot receiver. He's speedy and quick. So you'll see him on jet sweeps or end arounds. He is very much that versatile scat receiver that can line up anywhere and really make you account for him. Extremely, ext extremely fast. And he is someone capable of giving uh, Illinois defense uh, some, some issues and something to think about. He's good evading tacklers. His hands have improved in a massive way. And he's someone that was recruited by Willie Taggart, FAU's last head coach, came from the same hometown in Florida, uh, but he has really taken on a massive role within this team, not only on the field, but from a leadership standpoint. So he's technically FAU's number one, though he's not the top deep threat. That's Jaquan Burton, who's not going to play against Illinois. After that, uh, Tony Johnson, number zero, BJ Alexander, former Kentucky wide receiver, number four. They have ability, but they've had trouble getting separation against DBs. And I can't imagine that it's going to be any easier against Illinois. It was difficult, obviously, against Clemson. They had their issues against Ohio getting separation, unless it was Lejante Wester. So the receivers, there's ability, but they haven't been able to put it together. And Casey Thompson was struggling to throw them into space. They were struggling to get themselves in any separation. So there's going to have to be with Daniel Richardson, that connect 
productivity we were talking about that, hey, I've been here since the spring, that little extra, all right, let's make sure that we're on the same page that maybe Casey Thompson and the other receivers not named Lejante Wester didn't have yet. But this receiving group uh, compared to past years for Florida Atlantic, uh, the speed is there, but the overall human from a receiving standpoint, it hasn't been shown yet. So they're obviously going to want to, and Tom Herman's going to, and, and Charlie Fry, the offensive coordinator, going to want to put a little emphasis in that passing game because this is FAU's tune-up for conference play for that first conference game against Tulsa. Um, but if the last two weeks have been any indicator, it can be a little rough ride in the passing game, especially with your number two quarterback playing. So the the last, I guess, I guess one one note, uh, Wester sounds like uh, a version of Illinois' Isaiah Williams, who is yeah, a smaller similar. receiver who can cause problems all over the field, and he yep. can even get the ball and throw it every once in a while too. You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a, a fantastic comparison. They You'll see them, and if they were wearing the same uniform, you'd have a difficult time telling them apart. Yep, yep. So so now I guess there's there's one group that I, I fear to ask you how they're doing, but how is the offensive line playing, and are they injured? The offensive line is actually not injured. The Owls are oh. going to go into game number three with the same five uh, along the front line. And uh, so there are two captains actually along the offensive line, Federico Merengues at center, and then Chaz Neal at right tackle, who's a Florida State transfer. And they've been fairly solid. Uh, they, there's there's obviously room for improvement. Casey Thompson uh, took three sacks against Ohio, but some of those were coverage sacks. Other than that, uh, they they've held up decently. You would like to see better running numbers, uh, but now that FAU has so many injuries in the backfield, I just don't know what type of production to expect because I don't know who's going to see the touches right now, and we might not know until we see the offense on the field for the first time on Saturday. Truly, a hundred percent. But all in all, the offensive line has been fairly consistent. Former Ohio State and Michigan offensive line coach Ed Warner is the uh, the coach of the offensive line at FAU reuniting with Tom Herman from their time there in Columbus. And he's put together a, a solid unit uh, that's still still a work in progress, but it's very veteran laden. So going up to Champaign, it's not going to be a, an environment and atmosphere that they haven't experienced before. And right now on the offensive side of the ball, they truly are the the only unit, the only room that hasn't been besieged by injuries at this point. And that, that would be a good thing because Johnny Newton um, rounded back into All-American form last week. Mm-hmm. If you're watching the game films against Penn State, he had a heck of a game. Keith Randolph, um, you know, the third-team preseason All-American and, and struggled to show that the first two games. Seemed like he's back on track. Uh, the Illinois defense played closer to what Illinois fans expected. And unfortunately, when they had five turnovers, they 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 bent and eventually they did break. Yeah, and it, it's tough. Penn State is just relentless. And uh, there obviously were some one-on-one battles that you're just not going to win in that situation. But Newton has been someone that just sitting there watching. We were we were sitting in uh, in Greenville. We had an 8 o'clock kickoff. So God knows we had plenty of time on our hands to uh, <laughs> to, to watch that Illinois-Penn State game. But Newton is incredible. He is going to be playing on Sundays. And he is first and foremost uh, the one that it's going to pop out and has been popping out on film, but I'm looking forward to seeing him play in person just because that's an elite talent right there without question. And he is the anchor and it was uh fandom. Me was happy to see him round uh, back into all American form, as you put it, but uh, FAU me uh, we'll, we'll see how I'm feeling when I see that in person on Saturday. Yes. Yes. And I, I totally understand how, how that goes. Uh, as as we move through the, the the different phases of the game, how is FAU? Uh, what what can the fans look at when it comes to special teams? Uh, special teams is it, it's it's fine. I mean, Logan Lupo handles the punting and the field goals for Florida Atlantic, and uh, he was put on scholarship in the in the preseason. He's a dependable kicker. He missed from 52 against Clemson, but he's got good range. He can hit up to 55, 56. He's not scared of a big moment or if he needs to hit a big field goal. Uh, and uh, then there's there's Carter Davis who handles the kickoffs for FAU. What you'll see from that Carter 
Trevor Davis, he's not one of these typical kickers that is just looking to launch out of the back of the end zone. He can do it. And FAU has certainly had those kickers previously, um, but he will try and directional kickoff almost every time he puts his foot in the ball. So Illinois should have an opportunity to uh, to return kickoffs. But again, he is very proficient, very rare at the college level, proficient at coffin cornering some of these kickoffs. So it's a little bit unique. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about on Saturday. But just look out for that because it is interesting. And he uh, he's very consistent with uh, with that approach to kickoffs. Okay, that sounds interesting. And of course, Illinois faced last week with uh, with Penn State. They they basically did. I felt like it was a flashback to my youth in the '80s because they had a uh, 270 pound uh, kicker, Gabriel. Uh, I'm not going to get that name right, but <laughs> Nuoso, uh-huh. uh, and and he put the ball literally. I mean, it didn't even hit at the back of the end zone. I mean, he put it past there. Whenever yeah. he con, you know, whenever he made contact, I think I think we heard the ball screaming as it went through the air. <laughs> the only thing he's truly missing is just the one bar uh, face yeah. mask in uh, in that spot. Uh, FAU, from a returning standpoint, Lejante Wester is likely going to handle the the kick returns. Kobe Lewis did against Clemson, but if he has that high ankle sprain, I'd expect that it would go back to Wester uh, handling the kick returns, and uh, Wester handles the the punt returns as well. And as you can imagine, pretty proficient return man, uh, but very smart too. He doesn't try to do too much. He'll call for the fair catch. He's good in traffic. So FAU special teams are fairly consistent. Good. And does it give you any heartache to see him back there returning kicks with the way the wide receiver room is all watching from the sideline in various states of injury? Well, and this is where the balance has to come because if Kobe Lewis is hurt, and Lejante Wester is right now your really only true 100% reliable receiver. Do you put him back there or do you start rotating in other guys? So uh, I, I say right now, Lejante Wester on kick return. I don't think that's going to change on pump return at all, but on kick return there, I suppose that there's a very real chance. You don't see number one back there. You may end up seeing uh, someone, even a youngster with speed back there, just to give him an opportunity in a place like Champaign and see what he can do on the turf. Yeah. Isaiah Williams is so electric that way. And, and I find myself holding my breath when I see too many guys around him on a kicker. I'm, I'm like, fair catch, fair catch, fair catch. Yeah. Because I, I, but yet he's probably the one guy on the team who can go through a group of people and somehow slither out the other side sure. and nobody knows he went through there. Well, I suppose too, and I, I mean this is no disrespect, but when you have an offense that's sputtering like FAUs or an offense that's sputtering like Illinois. Uh, field position then becomes immensely important because you just don't know how well you're going to be able to move the ball from the 25. You don't want to just rely on that if you don't have to. And so if, if Isaiah Williams or Lashante Wester can put you on the 40 or put you near midfield once every six, seven returns, the state of these offenses right now, I feel like you probably, you, you take that chance. And if you don't do it Saturday, you're probably really taking that chance. Once FAU gets into the American and Illinois gets, uh, gets back into to big 10 play in a couple of weeks time yeah it's 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 always there's a lot of trade-offs there's a lot of trade-offs in these um in these things um and it's hard to know exactly um who's doing what um but i i always want you know you always get afraid at least as a fan you know, I, I just don't like my kick returners to be my starters. And that's yeah, no. that's from watching football NFL in the 70s. You, you get yeah. into those those type of yeah. things. Um, a, a quick question. Illinois has been killed by uh, penalties. It was a little better, you know, against Penn State. But they have a tendency to, to draw a few flags. And they have a tendency to do it on third down when they can – either a keep an offense on the field or b make a third down and short be a third down and long how is fau on that discipline standpoint 
Uh, so far, pre-snap penalties, FAU is in single digits this season through three games, and that includes that Clemson game. So that has been a, a strong positive, is uh, is making sure that they, they keep themselves, at least the pre-snap penalties, at a minimum. Now, this year, it's been significantly better than what we saw through large spans of last year. Uh, and uh, the coaching change, I think, helps a little bit, a little more attention to detail. And it's easy to just attribute that to a coaching change. But I think it's applicable when you look at Tom Herman's history uh, and his teams that when he was in the American, even in the Big 12, some of the least penalized teams in those respective conferences, Houston, then at Texas. So uh, penalties haven't necessarily killed Florida Atlantic as much as negative plays have hurt FA. You taking sacks, the interceptions, those have notably hurt FAU more than than penalty have uh, penalties have to this point this season. Yeah, Illinois has liked to dabble a little bit in both worlds. Been a little scary. Um, <laughs> a little experimentation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Coach B, you know, uh, if his hair goes gray, it'll be because uh -huh. of yellow flags flying all over the place. <laughs> or or interceptions, because right. that that was uh, there was a proximity alert. Luke Altmeyer is usually very accurate running for his life. And, um, you know, it looked like there was a few plays where just didn't quite have the right balance underneath him. And, and, you know, you, you just can't make mistakes against a defense that like their worst player is a four-star. Right, right. It's it's very, very difficult. I uh, I've actually talked with Lane Kiffin about Luke Altmeyer in the past when he was was at Ole Miss, and Lane uh, raves about the kid and and thinks the world of the guy. And so I do expect that he's going to work it out. But it's it's never fun to go against that Penn State defense, and then you you face it in your face for the first time, and it it it's tricky and it's difficult, and it does seem like Saturday. Luke's problems compounded and uh, then he started trying to do too much and he wasn't making good decisions. And uh, that's how Penn state's defense wins games. Uh, and I know Illinois and, and, and coach Bielema have had success against James Franklin's side in the past, but Saturday was just not, uh, not one of those days. Yeah. And, and I, I will be honest with you as a longtime Illini fan, I've seen a lot of bad quarterbacks and Luke Altmeyer isn't one of those. He did no. have, he did have a rough day though. There's no doubt, but I think you can take a look at just about any player, even even Tom Brady, you know, has had days that he would prefer not to keep in the memory banks. Yep. And and Luke Altmeyer had one of those. And it's a great developmental opportunity for him to figure out, okay, what could I do different or better? And then leave that at the door. You know, that you see that with defensive backs, particularly Illinois is young this year, but there's still a ton of physical talent back there. And, you know, sometimes you're going to make bad plays. You just got to learn from them. And, and yep. the next play, you got to make sure that you don't get beat because of the play before you. I got to say, in that West division, I, I'm not seeing a ton of quarterbacks that are better, I think, talent-wise, ability-wise than Altmaier. Like, I just – I, I it, not in that division of the Big Ten. Like, I just – I he's going to be fine. He's going to come around. He's going to come out of it. Um, but anybody who's super down on Luke Altmaier right now in Champaign, I think they're just playing the result from Saturday. I, I agree. And, and and again, you you have to look at how you get there. And, and I do think – you know, getting a little bit better, you know, working on the footwork, every, the, you know, these are kids, they're not, they're not finished mm -hmm. products. So, you know, he's got to work on his footwork a little bit. And, and the other thing is, is, you know, uh, there were a couple plays that, uh, you know, you, you'd, you'd like to have back when you misread something and, and Penn state did a nice job, particularly, um, you know, they, they were a couple of times they would disguise things and, and get through on blitzes with, with relative, uh, un relatively unscathed, which left him as a quarterback in a really yeah. interesting position. Cause it's like, all right, I know I'm supposed to take like two and a half seconds before I, before I throw this ball, but I got to let it go now, you right. know? And, right. and when you, when you uh, interrupt the timing, it, it gets tough and you know, your average fan just wants the ball to be completed. They're not really thinking about the fact that, you know, you just threw a, you threw a, a three second right. route and a, a second and a half, you know? So, right. Right. Um, when we go to the other side of the ball, uh, the Illinois, you know, ran into a, a defensive line in Penn state that, that was a solid defensive line, but they played better than that 
on on Saturday. What what's how does FAU's defensive line look, and are they injured? <laughs> <laughs> They're actually fairly healthy. The defensive side of the ball outside of the safety spot, uh, they're much healthier than okay. the offensive side of the ball. I mentioned Evan Anderson. He'll be number eight along the front line, but you don't need to look for a number to know who he is. Uh, you'll see him right away. He is sitting at 330. He came into Florida Atlantic three years ago at 360 and started right away. He's an athletic freak. He's He was playing lacrosse at 360 as a senior in high school, so he could move with that frame now he's much more agile at the the 330 or so he's probably a little under 330 at this point but between him number seven latrell gene number 50 jacob merrifield they put together a pretty formidable front line jacob merrifield was all over the place at uh at clemson he was really really good and it was impressive and he was flying around uh, and so that was encouraging that they were able to to get pressure on clubnik they kept will shipley in in fact, it was the first time in four games for Clemson. They didn't rush for 200 yards, and Klubnik barely got to 200 through the air, which just shows you uh, how detrimental the offense's play was because the defense put them in a situation where if they could have done anything consistently competent on offense, they could have scared uh, some of the 81,000 that was there uh, in Death Valley. So the defense has shown great promise. The defensive coordinator, Rock Bellantoni, this is his second stint as the D.C., at FAU. He was defensive coordinator in 2016. That was the final year of Charlie Partridge as head coach at FAU. Partridge is now the associate head coach at Pitt. Um, but Bell and Tony, this is his second time around now, and he's learned a lot. He made stops at Utah State. He was at Auburn, and he was able to pick up uh, a lot of, of what he calls knowledge and education during that time, and he feels much more prepared this time around. Uh, so Tom Herman brought him in, and he's put together a good group. Eddie Williams at linebacker, number three. He's the leader of that group. He went through a devastating leg injury a year ago. Basically had to reteach himself how to bend his knee and walk as part of his rehab uh, from that injury. And now that he's healthy, he is flying around. He looks sensational. That linebacking core has been strong. Jarrett Gerald's number 44. He's a special teams ace, but he's seen regular time now at strong side linebacker. And uh, he got a scout scholarship in the the preseason and he is showing Tom Herman and has shown Tom Herman how intelligent a decision that was to put him on a full scholarly uh and then in the secondary uh at the corners it's a, a bit of a rotating situation at the corners uh but you're you're likely going to see the likes of Smoke Munkin and Day Day Hill uh 2 and 6 respectively at the corners they're going to get a majority of the reps Florida Atlantic suffered a major injury to a captain safety Armani Eli Adams against Ohio. That's after he was coming off of a concussion in week one. I feel so badly for him. He is such a key component to that locker room, let alone what they do on the field, but he's been replaced by Dwight Toombs, uh, veteran safety. There's decent depth at that safety spot, number zero. So you'll see him back there, but Dwight Toombs is someone from FAU's of a relatively immediate area, at least grew up within an hour and 15 minutes of the school. He's one of the good hometown stories for Florida Atlantic. And so the defense is there's still plenty to work on. Yes, but it has come out of the gates much more consistent and much more effective than the offensive side of the ball. So what are your expectations? Uh, what do you think the Illini are going to try to do against this defense? Do you, if, if you're, you've seen both teams play, any thoughts? I think that first and foremost, they're going to try and run. They're going to try and wear down the defensive line, make the linebackers commit, think about it, and then potentially try and and give the quarterbacks. And again, I know it probably depends on which quarterback Illinois is playing. And I, I know that FAU is preparing for, for multiple quarterbacks. I just don't know where Brett Bielema's head is at right now about who's going to play when or who's going to start. But then try and hit FAU over the top. But I think that if Illinois tries to go out out there and start forcing throws. Florida Atlantic has gotten real good play uh, from uh, a couple of guys in the passing game that I didn't even mention. Jackson Ambush, uh, who has been a fantastic transfer out of Buffalo.
Buffalo in that linebacking group. And then Jaron Morris, who's a Texas State transfer. And when he came in, people are like, why is FAU taking a Texas State transfer? He has been an absolute monster. He is a missile back there. And so I do think that there is plenty of speed for Illinois to be concerned about a, a pass-first approach. I don't expect that that would be the case with this Illinois offense. They're just not equipped to be pass first. So I think try and establish the run, try and dictate the tempo up at the line of scrimmage. Uh, Clemson did have some success running tempo. I know that's just not something that that Illinois does fairly regularly, um, but that's where FAU's defense has been caught a bit off balance this year is with regular tempo thrown against it. But I would be, I would be shocked, and this is probably good that I'm not in the coach's room, but I would be shocked if Illinois didn't try to run and at least gouge that front three uh, first before they really started winging it around. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot of speed and a lot of capable guys in the back seven of this FAU defense. There really truly are. One thing you're going to see a lot on Saturday unconventional it's a three four base defense for fau but they will regularly put four man along the front line but only two down linemen you'll see at least 30 percent of the time fau only use two down linemen and then bring rushers off the edge from a, a standing position so very unique i hadn't really seen it before regularly until rock bell and tony came in this second time around but it, it just just be ready to see two men fronts uh, and and it, they they run it effectively it's just a little bit jarring especially uh you're watching big 10 football as much as you do you're not seeing a, a ton of two-man defensive fronts there two down linemen uh at the very least and so that's something that uh, you'll certainly pick up on on saturday yeah it, it should be a good game um you know if, if you're going to talk about like um the two key players that, that illinois fans should watch to determine fau's success you know who would be the player on offense and the player on defense that's gonna gonna kind of be the bellwether for for how they're doing well, I think, and this might seem like the easy way out, but the new starting quarterback, the new full-time starting quarterback for FAU, Daniel Richardson, first and foremost, has got to come in and it, grab confidence right away. Uh, it, it's tough when the game before your first conference game of the year, you're having to change quarterbacks when you're number one and your guy with all that Big Ten and Big 12 experience is now done for the season and in all likelihood his college career. That's tough. So I think it's got to be Daniel Richardson uh, from an offensive standpoint. And from a defensive standpoint, uh, I I think it's honestly Jaron Morris on the back end, the safety. Uh, he's strong against the run for a safety. He has been a ball hawk uh, from that safety spot when the ball is in the air. So uh, I, I just feel like he he is the difference between Illinois being bottled up or Illinois finding some real estate. I really think that there's so many good, capable players in the linebacking group and up front, but Jaron Morris, he's sort of that safety valve. If he's playing consistent football and he's able to fly all over the place and he knocks a ball free or is making whichever Illinois quarterback think about it when he puts it in the air and he's capable of doing that, I think that changes the, the landscape of this game on Saturday. I would think, and again, this is an uneducated um, opinion, but I would I would think Luke Altmaier would be the the quarterback this weekend. I just think that uh, it seems to me that that based on what we're hearing, Coach Bielema is trying to to you know him and he and uh, uh, Coach Lunny are trying to get the confidence back or yeah. maybe make sure that it didn't dip too far. It didn't waver, sure. Yeah, sure. La last year's quarterback you know, um, wouldn't, wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, he had bad game. Oh, well, he's still the greatest yeah. thing ever. He had, the confidence was amazing. Um, but, but this year, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see what Luke Altmeyer's like. He, he seems to be a little bit more internally, uh, focused and, and somebody who thinks about things more often and that can, you know, you can get in your own head or to be honest, you can, quickly sift through what you need to do better and you can set those things aside. It'll be interesting to see how he was affected by that. And I don't think we'll know until, you know, it's time to, to yeah. you know, throw one out there and see where he puts the ball. Yeah. I, I mean, the difference between last year and this year is with, with DeVito, you can turn and give it 
And that was what the offense was predicated on was that outstanding running game. And you knew you were going to be able to churn out yards. And then Tommy Tavito could sort of pick yep. out his spots this year. You don't have as much of a, of a luxury with that. And at least th that dynamic is not there like it was last year. And I do think that, that Altmaier is being asked to do a little bit more uh, on a necessity early on than, than DeVito had to be uh, tasked to do. And so it's very much a feeling out process, but I've seen in my time covering Brett Bielema up at Wisconsin and even following him in Arkansas, because that's where Charlie Partridge was with Bielema before he took over as FAU's head coach. He's very patient with quarterbacks. He's very supportive of quarterbacks. And so I, I, I'm with you, Mike. I would not be shocked if Altmaier is right back out there because you don't want to crush the guy before you get into the meat of the Big Ten schedule. They need Altmaier. He's definitely the number one quarterback in, uh, in that room. Yeah, the drop-off to number two, in my opinion, and I'm not a football coach, the drop-off between number one and number two is – is very 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 big yeah and i think so, you're in the majority opinion there i for just sure. don't i just don't think you want you want luke altmeyer healthy both mentally and physically yeah um and, and you know we'll see where we go uh, it, the other thing that illini fans who who maybe got used to chase brown and took him for granted are not doing that anymore and not that reggie <laughs> love not that Reggie Love has done anything wrong. He's averaging, no. you know, five yards a carry. But what is happening is both Reggie Love and Josh McCray, they get tackled by that one guy who stops them for a five or six yard run. And you could see, you know, Chase Brown maybe running through that and going 25 yep. yards. Yep. And if you can you can look at several times in games where if you had that little break breakaway you know, yard after contact, you would then have uh, a different situation totally, as opposed to, let's say, you know, being fourth and six. Instead, you know, they break it for 20 yards. It's first down. The defense doesn't have to come back out on the field. Right. You know, a lot, a lot of dominoes start falling to help out. At the same time, I think a lot of us looked at the schedule a little bit like a a little bit like a game. So if you think about the first three games, that's the first quarter. And while there's no quarter of Illinois' schedule that's easy, the first quarter with Toledo that arguably they could be an eleven and one team this year. Yes. Kansas, yes. Kansas could be nine and three or ten and two. And and Penn State could be an undefeated team, you know, if right. the ships it, fall it the right way. Yeah. Yes. So so I, I I'm not saying that the other schedule, other parts of the schedule, three game blocks are easy. But I am saying that I believe the hardest one is behind the Illini right. now. Right. And, and I, again, and I don't mean to, to disrespect the fine fans of the West Division of the Big Ten, but it's not like we're talking the uh, single greatest side of a conference in all of college football. It is all their goals, everything for this football team. I truly believe that. Yes, and if 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 Luke Altmaier develops, if the if the offensive line keeps getting better, you know you need that progression. You know the players have to challenge themselves. You can't leave it up to the coaches. The players have to challenge themselves. You know what could I do different or better to get better results? And and Beal is a big one on educating them, trying to you know, he calls it football one hundred and one, but trying to improve their football IQ. And if they're receptive, and if they put the time in and the study in you'll see that improve over the course of the season. And I do know one thing they they, they were frustrated by last year, starting seven and one ending one and four you yeah. know, with a season at eight and five. So they want to get their feet on the ground here and, and see what they can do to close out a season effectively. Uh, that means you got to start winning and FAU as tough of a game. This is, um, I don't know that this is the type of game that a lot of, power five teams want to play but as tough as this game is you know you need to go out and you need to win the game so that you can get these things to get this stuff done um you know to be prepared for the big 10 which is you know but fau is not going to be an easy game and that's that's the main difference i think yeah you know i, I think illinois is catching fau at a good time simply because the quarterback transition that said this is going to be a good test for illinois because there is significant size up front 
along the FAU defense. There is elite speed on the back end of the FAU defense. And then offensively, this is a good test to match up against speed that is likely in my opinion, superior to what Kansas was putting out there and superior to what Akron has as well. This is, and again, we talked about not being able to get the separation. I think that that's more fundamentals than it is physical ability of these receivers, natural God-given ability, because there's a lot of speed in that receiving core. So this is a, a, a good preparation matchup because how do you match up against South Florida speed? And I think Illinois is going to learn a lot about itself one way or another on Saturday against an FAU team that's going to have a little edge to it because things have not been going well and they're all banged up. That offensive side of the ball is a mash unit. Very good. So I'm going to kind of ask you a little bit, what do you, what do you think is going to happen in this game on Saturday? I think that Illinois is going to to try and and uh, establish the line of scrimmage right away on the offensive side and and really test FAU's wherewithal, its its endurance, its physicality up front defensively. Just get a feel. I think that uh, if if the Ohio game and the Clemson game are any indication, Illinois can probably find success in the ground game. Uh, I would expect though that if you're looking for this game to, to give Luke Altmaier a rhythm, get his rhythm back. I don't know how successful he's going to be able to be. Again, Cade Klubnick really struggled at times, especially in the second half against FAU after they were able to come out and make some adjustments. Uh, this is conventional wisdom would tell you with all of FAU's injuries that this is a game that, that Illinois should win. That said, I've seen weirder things. I've seen a decimated Illinois or a Estimated FAU going to Gainesville and beat an East Division champion or nearly beat an East Division champion in overtime a number of years ago. And that was a significantly less talented FAU team that was more injured than this one is. Um, I, 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 I do think, again, that Illinois is going to be tested. I don't think this is going to be a, hey, let's start thinking about backups at halftime. My gut tells me that this is going to be a competitive game simply because this is South Florida speed and how does Illinois handle one of the more quirky teams and unconventional teams that are going to face simply from that standpoint on their entire schedule this year. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on. That was Ken Levicka. You can follow him on Twitter at KLV1063. And of course, he is the voice of FAU. He's the play-by-play broadcaster, not just for football, but for basketball also. And at ESPN West Palm, he has a Monday through Friday radio show from 12 noon until 2 p.m., Eastern time. So anybody who wants to catch up on the game or get any of a preview, you can obviously stream there as well and listen to what he has to say. So thanks Ken for being on today. Mike appreciate it. And let's do this again before uh, the basketball matchup at Madison square garden in December. We, we will do that. I appreciate <laughs> you uh, asking that. Thank you very much. <laughs> thanks Mike. Whether you live in Champaign or Chicago, Halfway across this great nation or halfway across the planet, IlliniGuys.com keeps you in the know. Whether it's game results or what's going on in recruiting behind the scenes, IlliniGuys.com covers it. Only $99 a year, and you get a free seven-day trial to kick the tires. Go to IlliniGuys.com, click the register button that's right next to the seven-day free trial, and we'd love to have you as a subscriber. IlliniGuys.com. Well, this is Mike Kegley thanking Ken Levicka for coming on. We really appreciate it when someone takes time out of their evening to tell Illinois fans and Illini guys subscribers exactly what's going on uh, and what to expect in the upcoming game. It should be a fantastic game, probably closer than what Illini fans want. But in terms of getting prepared for the Big Ten season, I think this will put a cap on one of the toughest uh uh, three-game stretches, I guess, of non-conference foes. And, of course, uh, having Penn State in the middle of that has made this a four-game uh, stretch with some some very respectable teams in there. So the Illini will have to be prepared and ready to go on Saturday. We will be there to cover it. 
And of course, all during the week on IlliniGuys.com, be looking for stories from Matt and Ked and Brad and Larry and myself. We'll try to give you all the coverage that you need to be able to be prepared for the game. Of course, you can also listen to the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular before the game. So please tune into that. Go to IlliniGuys.com, hit the radio button, and try to find the station that you're nearest to so you can listen and be ready to go. And, of course, we hope the Illini are ready to go. It's going to be a tough one this Saturday. Go Illini! Illini!